Heavenly Father, we thank you today. We thank you for this opportunity, dear Lord Jesus, to meet you at this altar, Father. I pray, dear Lord Jesus, the word has already transformed the pastor. It has already done a worship in her heart to deliver a word to your people, Father. I pray right now you just wash us over, dear God. Help us rip away this ratchet flesh, dear Lord Jesus. Help us give repentance right now, Lord, that we can open up our hearts fresh to you, Father, and receive a word. I pray, Lord Jesus, every person who hears this word are open to their ear, dear Lord Jesus, open to their mind, and have an open heart as well in receiving. Father, help us today receive your word in Jesus' name, amen.
Good morning and welcome to Diverse City, the perfect church for imperfect people. I'd like to welcome our Diverse City partners, first time guests, and those joining us online. Please don't forget to like, share, ask questions, and just get involved. We are so honored that you picked us for your worship experience this morning. Well, at Diversity, we believe that no matter your background, color of your skin, what you've been through in the past, or your current location, whether you're watching me from the comfort of your own home, in your car, on your phone, it doesn't matter, because we have all gathered together to give who? God. The glory, honor, and the praise, for he deserves it. Amen? Amen. At this time, I'd like to make you aware of some very important announcements. We're going to start off this week with our SALT ministry meeting at 2.15 this Monday for Bible study. This is our seniors getting together, studying the Word of God. So I want to see you 2.15 on Monday. Then our kids, I want to see you on our kids call on Tuesday at 7 p.m. Wear your PJs, bring your sleep buddy, a toy for show and tell. We just have a wonderful time diving into the Word of God, studying the Word, reading stories, um, story time. We're just going to get together and laugh and enjoy each other. So I want to see all the kids this Tuesday at 7 p.m. Wednesday, where are all the youth? Well, they're going to be on our Wednesday call at 7 p.m. We're studying the Word of God, teaching our youth how to grow in the Word. And so I want to see AYM, I want to see you on Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Then on Thursday, I want you to join our prayer team that is ready, standing in agreement with you. Thursday night at 7 p.m. I want to see you on Facebook or on Zoom. Join our prayer team for prayer. Come on, our nation, our city, we're, we have some upcoming news that's coming out, and we need God to just come in, show up, show off, open up doors, and just be with us. So I'm asking you to join us on our prayer call on Thursdays at 7 p.m. Then I'm calling all the men this Saturday at 10.30. Where are all my men? Let me hear you go, woo, woo. There we go, all of our men. I want to see you 10.30 on Saturday for a men's Bible study. They are called Men of Standard. And come on, our men are raising the bar today. They are learning how to be fathers, how to be men of God, raising the standard for all of our men today, showing us how to be examples, showing all the youth out there and all the men that are coming up behind them what to do, how to live, and how to live by the word of God. Amen. So I want to see you men on Saturday at 1030. Then we're going to be right back here for our virtual service. I want you to be ready. I want you to prepare your heart. As we're in this Juicy Fruit series, God is just showing us that what kind of fruit are we displaying. And I am certainly enjoying being um, challenged to just change and just to look at my life. Taking a personal audit of what is going on in my life and what fruit am I displaying. So I'm challenging you to join us on Sunday, 1030. I want to see you there. 
Well, that is all that I have for you today. Make sure to join us. Make sure to just pray for our church members. And now we're going to get right back into service with worship by our giving. So get ready. Let's prepare our hearts to give. Amen. Hey, guys. Good morning and welcome to another virtual Sunday. Uh, I'm glad to be here with you. I hope you're glad as well. Hope your week's been great. Hope everything has been going the way you planned it. But I'm here to tell you that if it's not, keep on moving, keep on pushing, okay? Because the fight's not given to the swift, okay? The fight is given to the one who will endure to the end. Endurance means that you are willing to uh, see things through. You are willing to move past, move over, and move around obstacles that come in so you can maintain your trajectory of going forward so in obstacles sometimes they're big sometimes they're small sometimes uh they mean more than than others and sometimes they're just uh extremely significant and not you get the point okay obstacles for us as christians um we know that they can be conquered and they will be conquered for those who call upon the name of the lord uh I would challenge you today to not let like present day things, the obstacles in life, the challenges of life become uh, a stumbling block, right? We've all, we've all heard this before. Let's use it as a stepping stone. Use it as an opportunity um, to launch us forward, to launch us up to an area to where God can use us as Christians, as people. We are supposed to be the agents of, of, of good and let's allow God um, to really work through us in these in these times. It's so important, so important. So I just challenge you. And if you're seeing things in the background, I'm sorry, I'm sitting in my car. But let's uh, let's stay focused on on what we're doing here. Um, it's it's giving. It's giving t uh, season. It's about you know we're going into the next month of traditional giving season, and um, despite what uh, we may feel or whatever, God has given us. Uh, the fruit of joy. He's given us the opportunity to be joyful in times such as this. So let's use that. Let's take advantage of that. Uh, and let's be a, a fruitful uh, uh, giver and a joyful giver because it's better to give than it is to receive. Because when you give, those blessings that God gives you begin to flow through you because we know that the blessings aren't meant to stop with us, but they're meant to flow through us and affect all those around us. Amen, saints? All right, it's good stuff. <laughs> so anyway, you can text the word DIVERSE to 73256. You can text it to 73256. Or you can go to diversity.church. Go to the donate tab, scroll down, and you can give there as well. Um, or you can mail it into 3201 Itasca Street, and we'll get it that way. I, pr I promise you, either way you give, we will get it, and it will get to where it's supposed to, to go. What's up? Um, so, yeah. Enjoy the rest of the service. Let's pray together, saints. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be alive in this time period. Father, it's uh, you're calling the church to do so many great things, and I pray, Lord, that we're able to answer that call and do those those great and mighty works, Lord. 
I pray that you would bless those who are able to give and those who aren't. I pray that you would uh, allow us to use the gift um, to further your kingdom, God, as we say every week. And we know, Lord God, that it's about uh, kingdom business and not what happens here in uh, the things that we influence and whatever. But Father, I just thank you, Lord God, that you are in control. You are in control. So as we prepare our hearts to jump back into praise and worship, I pray that we do it with the heart of thanksgiving, celebration. Let's say amen and amen. Let's worship together, saints. All right. Good morning, Diversity. This is Pastor James. I am here to deliver some breaking news. You've probably had a wonderful experience with all of the things that have been going on this week. So in two weeks, Sunday, November 22nd, um, after seven, eight weeks of being closed for virtual service, we are reopening our sanctuary. <laughs> I can't do much of those dances, but I'm excited. Um, it's been a long time coming. I'm sure we all have a greater level of appreciation and adoration to be in the house of the Lord. I want to make sure when we have church that we have a safe, a secure, and a spirit-filled environment. So as we know, during our first time here, we did a good job initially with being able to honor all of our CDC guidelines with masks and so forth, having a good form and transition in service and out of service. So as we come back together, things are gonna be tight. We're gonna do things in decency and in order. God's presence is gonna be here. God is gonna move, but it's gonna take a collective family with us working together, with us exhibiting the juicy fruit of put your mask on or this is your area to sit or practice social distance because our desire is to continue to worship and do our part, not only just for our church, but for the families of the loved ones that come here. We thank you first in advance to all of our leaders, pastors, and volunteers that continue to do your part to make things happen. This is breaking news to many people. There'll be a lot of conversations and meetings going on. Um, we're preparing, we're ordering the equipment and tools that we need to be able to have service. And we're fully expecting as we come back on Sunday, November 22nd, we'll have six weeks to be able to finish this year strong with 2020 Focus, and I'm excited to not only see you online, but for those that are able to, the, those that are willing, those that continue to text me every week, when are we gonna open? When are we gonna open? When can we come in the house of the Lord? Sunday, November 22nd, we return, we'll be open. And for those based on your individual needs that would like to continue to fellowship and worship online, Continue to do that at this time, but for those that would like to come back into the house of God to be able to have our traditional Sunday morning experience here at Diverse City, we will see you in two weeks 
make sure you share, let others know. And if you would like to help us as we navigate through some of these changes, you can put serve right now in the comments, put serve. We will make sure one of our leaders and someone reach out to you. We need all hands on deck. This is our time to evangelize. This is our time to bring hope to the city, to our community, and you're a part of it. We've been teaching on juicy fruit to get your attitude right, to get your heart right, to get your mind right. And now as we come together, your hands will be put to work. Will you be able to show and see that others can see your fruit, that God's fruit will remain, that we can be the church during this time. So we would love to see you in two weeks. Continue to worship. That doesn't mean you stay offline for the next two weeks and you build up your spiritual bandwidth to get back in the house of the Lord. Continue to stay connected, be plugged in, and we will see you as we reopen. And for those that are online, it will continue to be business as usual. So more to come. We look forward to worshiping with you in person. Take care and let's get back into worship.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Good morning. Good morning. Come on, everybody. Lift up the Lord. Let's, let's get to our feet. Come on. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Good morning, Diversity. Welcome, partners. Welcome, guests from Diversity Stage to your home. Welcome to Diversity Live Broadcast. I am Pastor Virginia, and I will be taking you into part seven of the Juicy Fruit series. Please throw some hearts in the comments. Go ahead and let us know who you are. Let us know you're in the house and that we are going to rejoice and be challenged in the word today. Thank you to all the guests and the, the teammates that are here uh, with me for this recording. Please have a seat as we prepare to go into the word together. Amen. All right, Pastor James and Pastor Aldine have been doing a phenomenal job leading us through the Juicy Fruit series. You have had to have been challenged. Something has had to change in your life. You've had to look at the fruit that you are producing. And hopefully, through the Spirit, what you are producing is the fruits, are the fruits of the Spirit. So I'm so grateful. I know I just had you guys sit down, but I'm going to be stand up again. And if you're at home, we're going to stand up for the reading of the first scripture this morning, which comes from Galatians 5, 23 from the NIV, 22 and 23. And it says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Heavenly Father, if y'all could stretch your hands towards me, and if you can stretch your hands toward your work device or TV at home, we come to you this morning, Father, filled with your Holy Spirit, thirsty for the knowledge and wisdom that comes from communing with you. Lord God, I pray that you would reach out to us right now. I pray against any distractions in the name of Jesus. I pray against any worries. I pray against anything that would keep us from hearing from you, Father. Use this word to shake us up, mess us up, stir up our spirits, Father, because all we want to do is be in your presence. We want to glean from you. We want to learn from you. And we just surrender this time right now as an act of obedience as we go into your word. We believe for these things in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 Have a seat. All right, at home. I'm glad to be here. I'm proud to be here. Proud to study under our lead pastor, Pastor James Woods and Aldine Woods. Let's give them a hand, church family. So grateful Pastor James brought us in on this project. It is an amazing, amazing journey as we've been going through the fruits of the Spirit. And I also have to give out a shout out to my husband, Andrew, Pastor Drew, because he has been doing a great job with the kids while I study. And this is always doable, not just through the strength that God gives me, but because I have a husband and a partner that comes alongside me to help me in this journey. So thank you, honey. So fruits of the spirit, what are we talking about today? We are talking about self-control, self-control. This is one of the biggest to me, fruits of the spirit. When Pastor James said, hey, Pastor Virginia, which fruit do you want? I kind of skipped over self-control right away. I knew I did not want to do it. I'm like, ooh, self-control. No, I'm going to skip over it. Love, faithfulness, no. And what did I end up with? Self-control. It just jumped, out, jumped off the screen to me. So that's what I went with. And I said, okay, Lord, what do you want me to tell your children about self-control? 
But first I looked up the definition just so we can all be on the same page about what self-control is. And according to Webster, it says it is the ability to be able to control oneself, in particular, one's emotions and desires, or the expression of them in one behavior, especially during difficult situations. And what stands out to me the most about it is it didn't say especially in simple situations, it said especially in difficult situations. And that is probably the difference between a Christian in the world, someone who bears rotten fruit and someone who bears juicy fruit is in a difficult situation. When you are standing in the face of a temptation or something that really requires a great amount of self-control, what do you do? The definition explicitly says difficult for a reason, because if it were easy, self-control would not even be needed. If the situation were easy, would I dare say God may not even be needed? But because self-control requires an amount of discipline that only with God is possible, we can then stand as a church or as a Christian or as a person of God and say that you have self-control and it is something that you can do with God at your side. Amen? Amen. Amen. So look, we're going to keep, we're going to keep discovering what self-control is and how to use it. I just have one request. Look at your neighbor and say, show me your fruit. Show me your fruit. The reason why I ask you to ask them that is because the entire time we're going to be examining our fruit as self-control. So you are going to have to do almost like a personal audit. And a tool you can use for this personal audit, when I say show me your fruit, I'm going to ask you to challenge yourself to really reflect on a personal level as to what I am talking about and what I'm asking you to do. So there is a concept in Greek for self-control called sophrosyne. Sophrosyne? Thank you, First Lady. Sophrosyne. It is Greek kind of in translation for self-control because it is a concept. And the concept in Greek is an excellence of character. It is someone that is sound-minded, who's prudent, who is a man or woman of their word. Okay? So when I say sophrosyne, This is something that we should try and exhibit. This is something that we should try and do every day because it will kind of give like the the energy, like who we are will go before us. So when people look at me, they will know that I am a prudent person. They will know that I am a person that means what I say, that my fruit, my juicy fruit is consistent with the word of God. So it is a godly self-control, amen? Amen. So, we're doing our audit. And my first point, when we're trying to look at sophrosyne, when we're trying to look at self-control, is we need to keep this in mind. Number one, you don't run nothing. Love God. That is a note that he gave for somebody this morning. For you to know that you don't run nothing. You don't run your bills. You don't run your plans. You don't run your relationships. You don't run any of it. The word says that he is the author and the finisher. So if you can get it in your mind that you don't run anything, then it creates a partnership. And if you have a partnership, then that allows you to almost sell out to God completely. Okay? So when you say, well, I got this, 
I do me. I know what I'm going to do in life. And you don't go to your father about it. And you don't ask him what you should do. You don't request the strength to do it. Then that leads you to your own vices, which almost always leads to a fail. But when you allow and accept that you don't run anything, that means you almost always run it by your father. Amen. And that creates that. I'm telling you, it amen. It creates a bond that cannot be broken. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. Why is that in Proverbs? Because it's important to know that the partnership is because with our own two eyes, we do not have the wisdom, that godly wisdom, to dictate what we should and shouldn't do. Left to our own vices, it is a disaster. So the word says multiple times that we need God to exhibit the fruit that is needed to be prosperous. Yes. And without him, then we have rotten fruit. Yeah. It's good. Praise your name, Jesus. In the upcoming days and weeks, after this message is over, I want you to reflect on more than the points that I make. I want you to do a personal audit on the things that you have in your life that maybe I don't even bring up. And ask yourself, what kind of self-control do you have in those areas? It may be finances, it might be sex, it might be alcohol. There are a plethora, for as many people there are, that are out there that are watching, there are that many more subjects that I can touch on that deal with self-control. So what you have to do is you have to get in your personal prayer closet and you have to get in a space where you can just be completely transparent with God, y'all. At home, you gotta be transparent with them. So as you make this list, then you can say, okay, I know I need help in this, I need help in this, and Lord, I need your help in this. And when you can be that vulnerable with God, it doesn't have to be around a lot of people, it doesn't have to be with your neighbor, but when you can get completely vulnerable with your father, in these upcoming weeks, he will start to reveal things to you and he will start to make changes in your life. And then your turnover, your harvest will be something that you can stand on versus what we shamefully may have right now. In my next concept, I want you to think of, and I say point number two, is say no to techno. Now, before anyone says anything, techno is not referring to the music. Techno is short for technology. And technology is a beautiful thing. I am not against technology. I have a MacBook, I have a Chromebook, I have iPad, I have Apple Watch. And it's not bragging, but it's just to make the point that I am not against technology, okay? Um, matter of fact, if you have a device or you have anything at home, go ahead and put a heart in the comment because I want to see how many people at home have some sort of device. If you're watching this, it is by way of a device, whether it's a television, iPad, a Chromebook, some sort of computer, it's possible because of technology. So I thank God for opening up the doors so we are able to have technology. And I thank God because Back in 1918, when the flu pandemic first hit, they did not have technology like we do now. And I cannot imagine what it would be like to be in school in 1918, to figure out how to manage my uh, kids' schoolwork, to figure out how to get all these things in order without technology. Well, it's 2020, so we're looking at corona. They set up, I have a virtual office at school. 
I have a, a Google Classroom that I turned into my office, and I'm able to still see kids that way. All of my kids have Google Classroom. They're doing virtual off-site training. I mean, the sky is endless. Again, to say technology is a great thing. But without self-control, technology can be just as devastating as drugs, alcohol, sex, and all those other things that we know we're supposed to practice self-control with. Technology can come right in and destroy. And then when you say, show me your fruit, when it comes to technology, self-control may be an area that's lacking. Let's do a fun fact real quick. How many social media outlets can you name? Just throw them out there. Yeah, Twitter and Facebook. At home, if you want to put it in the comments, Facebook or Twitter, whatever, just whatever you can think of. Give me like the top five. Instagram. TikTok, Instagram. Uh, Pinterest. 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 I do like Pinterest, actually. I've got a couple boards, pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of them. The top five, top five social media outlets, Instagram. That's the number one. That is the number one social media outlet. YouTube is second, Facebook is third, Twitter, and then lastly, rounding out the top five is TikTok. And I say those to say, the average person spends two and a half hours a day on social media. That's not all at once, that's throughout a 24 hour period, but they spend two hours and 30 minutes. Now, the average person, according to Vox, V-O-X, they spend an average of four hours and 30 minutes on their device, period. That's not just social media, that's in general. But that does not include work or schooling. It's still to be entertained. If you add that up every day for a year, or you look at it at a 10-year span, or even in your lifetime, how much time are you giving to those things? And this is not to bash anybody, I have a Facebook account, this is not to put anybody down, but if we're truly doing an audit, do you practice self-control when it comes to social media? In these next slides, you'll see um, a family scenario where the mom and dad are on their phones and they're almost faded in the image. That's not your device being distorted with the color, it's to represent them fading. They're present, but not present. They're present but not present. So their kid is sitting there playing with stuff and they are not interacting with their child at all. In the other picture, there's a little girl and she's not playing because our kids are no longer playing anymore. Not with each other in the social way, in a healthy way. I know kids that are locked in their room for hours on, on end playing video games and they have yet to interact with their family. Or they're locked away to all hours of the night and never once they come out, eat, and have dinner at the table with their mom or dad or whoever's raising them. I say that to say that in these images, the people who are on their devices are fading because they are no longer intact with the people around them. Well, that's not how we're set up. How we're set up is for physical interaction. So when you are actually present with someone, and I want you to hear this at home, when you're actually present with someone, the communication, the eye contact, the physical touch creates a solid relationship and a healthy relationship. So when I say, show me your fruit, the fruit that you may have is a child who feels left out. 
The fruit that you may have is your spouse feels lonely because the husband and wife can't know each other in an intimate way because the husband is on his phone on Facebook while she's trying to uh, share with him. So the wife feels lonely. Your fruit may be your child is like socially introverted because they do not know how to interact with people because nobody is showing them how. What is your fruit? If I say show me your fruit and you're doing the personal inventory right now, when it comes to social media, can you say you have self-control in that area? Is that an area that the Lord has to stir up and shake up to help you to see that you can be present and not present because you are completely lost on your device or you're completely lost on your computer? First thing some people do, and I, I say some people, it's really me, but the second I get up, I say, Lord, thank you for this day, and I grab my phone. I promise you, within five minutes, I have my phone in my hand, the first thing I do when I wake up. Why? Because I gotta do my Bible verse. That helps me not feel so bad. And then I immediately get on Facebook, which I'm checking on my fellow church members, but I happen to like see everything else along the way. And being completely transparent with you, social media is a weak spot. And God made that completely apparent to me, which is probably why I did not want to do self-control to begin with. Because God is not just messing you up, he's messing me up too. And the Holy Spirit is no respecter of persons. So when you ask the Holy Spirit to come in and to change things in your life, I promise you, you will get what you ask for. So I thank the Lord that he's coming in and changing things. And I just ask you to be just as vulnerable when it comes to technology. You don't have a bad kid at home because your kid likes to play video games. You just have to show them what moderation is. You have to show them through your personal walk how to have self-control with certain things. We want to indulge. America is big on indulging. It's what we do. And that it'll come up again in my next point. But if you can show them by walking it out, if you, can, if you don't have kids, maybe you don't have kids, but if you can show a, another church member how to walk it out, if you show them your fruit, if they see your saffrony so that when, you, when, you're, when you're doing something, they just look at First Lady Pastor Aldine and they know that she's a woman of her word. She doesn't even have to say anything. Her reputation comes before her. What fruit are you showing? In my next point, I'm going to show you. It says, hungry, why wait? Who can tell me what candy bar that is? Snickers. Snickers. If, I, if you didn't see the wrapper and I just said, hungry, why wait? Could you still tell me? Yes. Yeah, right? What if I said, um, obey your thirst? What is that? Right, thank you. The South African lady is out doing y'all. I need y'all to like know. Hello. Um, what you crave? Anybody? Thank you. What you crave is White Castle. What you crave at White Castle? Now, actually, what you crave is a couple years old, so they changed it to crave is a powerful thing. They changed it to crave is a powerful thing. Burger King, anyone? Have it your way. Y'all old though, they changed it within the last couple of months. It was have it your way, now it's 
be your own way. Mm -hmm. Let that marinate. Let that marinate. <laughs> the, the, all of these are suggestive advertising. You think it's nothing, but when you're constantly hit with these advertisements that say you control your own thirst, you need to give in to it. Oh my Lord, I saw uh, Hardee's. Anybody know Hardee's slogan from 2012? <laughs> Pastor Drew said nasty. Hardee's slogan from 2012 was eat like you are dead already. Eat like you are dead already. I kid you not. Google it at home. Hardee's, I think Hardee's is also called like Carl J's, but Hardee's 2012 slogan, I kid you not, eat like you are dead. And if that does not give in to gluttony, if that does not give in to just abandoned self-control. So we're getting hit with these images all the time to the point where we know them, but they actually play out in a great part of how we eat and what we do. Um, what we eat is almost like an act of worship. I'm going to let that marinate. What we eat is almost like an act of worship. Now, if uh, the scriptures say in 1 Corinthians, our bodies are temples, one can say that you appreciate your temple and or thank God by how you treat your body. So... If you eat nothing but junk and or excessive alcohol and or drugs, I would ask you, are you appreciating the temple that God gave you? Or if you eat pretty well balanced and you work hard to take care of yourself, are you appreciating the temple that God gave you? One is an act of worship. I thank you for this body, Lord. I thank you for this food that you've given me. And I'm going to eat to replenish this, Lord. And then one, can you, you can make the argument for excessive, excessive, excessive is not good for you. And one might say it might be a smack in the face to the one who created you. Where do you fall in that line when we say, show me your food, your fruit? Show me your fruit. We can eat, 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 eat. And if you do not have self-control, then it will be a problem. But then on the far left side of that, Katrina, can I tell you on the far left side that if you restrict, restrict, restrict your calories, constantly dieting, dieting, dieting to the point where you are an unhealthy weight and it consumes you, then you by default literally are um, doing the same thing as someone who overeats in terms of how you treat your temple. So what do we do? What, where does that leave us? We have to have the same prudence and respect and ask God to come in and help us with what we eat, just like we do with technology, just like we need self-control with everything else. Food and what we eat is no different. I look at it this way, it's just as important as what goes into this mouth as what comes out of this mouth. And I need God to control my mouth for what comes out, and I also need him to help me to control my mouth for what goes in. Amen. I'm going to take you guys to uh, a, a, a man, Daniel, um, who gave a wonderful, wonderful teaching point example of what to do, because our definition says difficult time. Okay. Our definition of self-control said for difficult situations, what he did during that time. 
So I'm going to take you to Daniel chapter 1, and we're coming in this uh, chapter starting off where King Nebuchadnezzar has completely taken over uh, Jerusalem. He took it by, by force. He seized, besieged it. It's a done deal. Why? Because his, the king that was there, King Jehoiakim, I got that out. King Jehoiakim, he's a hot mess, for lack of better words. He's a hot mess. You would not know that his father before him was a man of God that was a man of faith and did things right. He did the exact opposite. Brought in idols, did everything that was the opposite of what God would want him to do, would purposely, purposely do things to try and destroy and keep God from being a part of the culture. So because of that, God allowed King Nebuchadnezzar to come in and take them. So when we fast forward, King Nebuchadnezzar, he asked for some of the sons of Israel to be taken up and to be trained and taught and to um, basically make them, take them through a process so that they can be uh, servants in his palace. They had to be good looking. They had to be smart. They had to be someone of, of a good background and be easily taught and be easily molded so that he can infuse them with the things he wanted them to know so that they can serve him. Okay. Y'all with me? Read the first chapter of Daniel. I just paraphrased it, but that's about where we are. And then the, in, in this, we learn and meet Daniel and they change their names. So it's Daniel Del, Daniel changed to Belteshazzar, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There we go. And y'all might know them better by those names. And so he took them. They, they are going through this training, and we're talking about what we eat, right? We're talking about self-control with what we eat. So here we are picking up in verse 8. Daniel says, um, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Well, what had happened was as King Nebuchadnezzar said, if you're going to learn these ways, you're going to do all these things, I'm going to make sure that you guys have the finest wine and food fit right from my table. You are going to eat like me. And this is food that, from Daniel's perspective, is offered to idols. It's unclean. This isn't how we eat. So he's not going to eat it. So he took a stand. He took a stand. How many of us, be honest, this is an audit. This is an audit. Show me your fruit. When I say how many of us, if you are able to eat the finest of the finest food, you can sit at any restaurant and basically the chef says, pick whatever you want on the menu. Matter of fact, if you don't see it there, I'll create it. You tell me what you want. If you drink wine, I'm going to give you the finest, the best. No box wine here. I'm going to go straight to like Italy or to some vineyard somewhere, and I'm going to pour the best wine for you. But for some reason, you can't eat for eight hours at that time. But that's, ha that's when the offer happens. How many of you would be able to sit there and say, no, I'm sorry, I can't partake of that today? Some of the other people that were with him, they ate. They were not the only sons of Israel that were taken that were part of this um, training, but they knew better. Daniel knew better, and he decided not to. And because of that, God allowed him to find favor. And actually, it goes on to say they only ate vegetables. They did not partake in any of the meats or anything. They did not drink any of the wine. And 10 days later, they looked better than the guys who ate everything and drank everything. 
This is God's favor. The world would have us to think that self-control means that we miss out on everything. Self-control means that you cannot do what you want to do. There's a lot of red tape. But what self-control allows is for favor. It allows for you to be able to say no and not be a slave to anything. And it allows for you to be able to uh, do and go through the things that God needs for you to, to learn something or to take something away. Come on, somebody. Amen. Proverbs 25, 28 says, like a city that is broken down without walls, so it's unprotected, is a man without self-control over his spirit. Think about how Daniel had to feel to eat, or I'm sorry, to not eat, but to see everyone else eating and drinking of those things. Maybe you're on a diet and you see all these commercials, obey your thirst, have it your way, is what you crave. Can you call on the Lord? Because remember we said we don't run nothing, right? If we don't run anything, can you then call on God and say, God, I'm really struggling. Can you help me with self-control so I don't do this? So I, I need help to not eat certain things, Lord. Can you help me so I can with, with so I could just stay to myself so I don't give in to this temptation. During the Daniel fast last year, it never fails, because my birthday is right around there, that like somebody at my school does a big birthday celebration and I cannot partake and I can't do it. And I don't tell them like grudgingly, I'm just like, no, you know, I'm doing this thing with my church. I can't do it, I'm sorry. And they're like, well, we looked at your list and you said that uh, you love bacon and chocolate, so there's chocolate-covered bacon in the break room for you. Dang it. Because they have every employee fill out a likes list at the beginning of the year. So I don't think about it. I'm like, I love bacon and I love chocolate. And legit, this lady did maple-flavored thin bacon, and it was in this Godiva chocolate. And she made it a point to let me know because she worked really hard on it. And so, and it was in the break room. I could smell it from my office. And I was like, who brought chocolate in? Let me go see what's over here. She's like, look, Virginia, look what I, uh, look, Nurse Wilson, look what I, I made for you, blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, I could feel the spit well up in my mouth. And my stomach started to churn. And I was like, Lord, please help me. I was like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk this out. I'm not going to do this. And she was insistent. She was like, you know what? I'm sure your church won't mind if you just have a bite because I took the time to make this for you, and I just know they won't care. As a matter of fact, I saw it live uh, the day y'all decided. Your pastor said if you mess up, you just say sorry and then get right back on. So, And I was like, dang, he did say that, though, didn't he? God, dang, he did. I, I remember Pastor James said it, yeah. He did say if I mess no way, okay. I said, thank you, I appreciate it, but I'm not gonna do this. I'm not gonna do this. And then, <laughs> and I didn't. I did not do it, I did not give in. And I will tell you this, and this is not that this happens every time, but I will tell you this. I was blessed with a job four months later that allowed for my children to be on campus with me where I made more money and they didn't even want to see my credentials or anything. They offered me the job when I wasn't even looking for it. And what I, what I remember the first thing that popped into my head was, this is because you are obedient. Hey, look at that. 
This is because you are obedient. So when I say show me your fruit, we have to keep in mind that Yes, there are some times that it is hard. I kid you not, that was a very difficult time. But as the definition, my God rose up and gave me the strength that I needed. And to someone who's at home, you may be struggling with your weight. You may be struggling with trying to gain weight. Maybe you want to look a certain way. I just want to let you know that the God that we serve does not skip one person and bless the next person. That if you can be obedient and first seek the kingdom of God, the rest will be added onto you. And I believe that through self-control and allowing God to like marry you in this, you will have the desires of your heart through walking out an obedient walk with God. Amen. Amen. All right, y'all, we're gonna we're in the home stretch, and I thank you, Lord. Keep shaking us up. I'm just gonna throw that. All right, listen. My next point is, things got you seeing red. I don't mean red, because I'm wearing red, but I mean red as in anger. Ooh. We can't talk about self-control and not talk about anger. I'll say it again. We can't talk about self-control and not talk about anger. Amen. Proverbs 16.32 says, whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that rules his spirit is better than he who can take a city. What does that say? It says, Facebook, if you can bench press 400 pounds, but you can't control your mouth, it's a problem. It says that if you can conquer a city, but you have no self-control, the person who has self-control is stronger than you. If you can conquer a city but cannot conquer your mouth, then you do not have juicy fruit. You are lacking in self-control. And self-control and anger go like this. Because without self-control, you will struggle. I'll say it again. Without self-control with anger, you will struggle. Look, in this slide behind me, it says me and then it says the Holy Spirit. Y'all peep that? says when I start running my mouth again and then it shows the Holy Spirit like right behind you getting ready to like pop you real quick I say that this the slides it spoke to me because this is me Virginia because I run my mouth sometimes and the Holy Spirit will come in real quick and shut me up because I want to tell somebody what I really think because I, I'm trying to walk in grace and I'm trying to walk it out and I feel like they've crossed that line because in my mind, I drew an invisible line that they did not see, but I am a Christian and I am not gonna tell them, but once they cross that line, Pastor Virginia will take her hat off and I will tell them in a heartbeat that what they did was wrong. And then the Holy Spirit will say, mm, no. You don't run this, remember? This is about me. Because if you tell them off, are they then going to receive from you when you try and tell them the good news that I died on the cross from them? Oh, come on, Lord. Why you do me like that? You saw what she did to me. Come on. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I saw that. But I am greater in you. Whatever the world tries to do against you, it doesn't even matter. Because we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, y'all, right? The person to the left and right of you is not your enemy, right? Whether they're a Democrat or Republican, they're not your enemy, right? 
It's principalities, right? This is stuff all up in the air that we can't see. That, that's the real fight. But Satan wants us to think that it's with each other. And without self-control, it becomes a rotten fruit situation. It says in Proverbs 29, 11, a fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds back. A wise man quietly holds back, y'all. But it says a fool will run his mouth all day. It'll be a sneeze and all of a sudden he will tell you exactly what he feels and what you can do with it. But it's a man who walks in wisdom. It's a man or woman who walks in wisdom. And again, I'm going to bring this word back. Because when you walk with your hokma, that godly wisdom, it allows you to know when to speak and when to be quiet. If you can look at this video clip real quick, it's just about 20 seconds. I'm going to uh, play that and then we're going to jump right back in and continue to talk. Dr. Banner, now might be a really good time for you to get angry. That's my secret, Captain. I'm always angry. Now, my heart sometimes is youth ministry, so I do like to pull from like comic books and Marvel and DC, but this is a beautiful illustration of how some of us walk around all day, every day. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about at home. For those of you who you stay angry, you walk around with a chip on your shoulder. The first time somebody accidentally bumps into you, you ready to square up? I'm talking to myself. Like the people who you, it, it takes nothing for you to go from zero to 60. And I say, I used to be one of those people. I'm not going to lie. Don't let my small size fool y'all. The Holy Spirit did some things, but it comes from a background of always hurting. And you're not going to take anything from anyone else any longer. So you always stay ready. So just like in the video, he said, well, I'm always angry. And he went from one extreme to another in the drop of a hat. But if you ask yourself and you're doing an audit on what kind of juicy fruit you have, and you're wondering how you're leveling out with self-control in regard to anger, people will let you know. Because I can tell you right now, Virginia, 10 years ago, people would say that I'm angry. They would say I have rotten fruit when it comes to that. How do people look at you? Oh, she getting ready to blow up. Oh, you know how she is. You know how he is. You know, he, he got kicked out. You know, this is how, well, that's how he always is. That's bad. That says rotten fruit. But you don't have to stay there. It's not a fixed situation where the Holy Spirit can't reshape, gut, change things around to where you can start producing healthy fruit with self-control and anger. Amen. Listen, I'm going to tell you about David and Saul here. David and Saul, this is a story where Saul became jealous of David. And David did nothing to him, honestly. He did nothing to deserve the treatment that he got. But Saul has a huge problem. If you were to ask Saul to show you his fruit, it would be 
self-conceited. It would be fruit of self. It would be fruit of you just do things my way. I'm a dictator. I don't care. Stuck on self type of fruit. And it showed because it went before him and his reputation. So Saul is trying to hunt down David and his men. And Saul got wind of where David and his men were. So he took 3,000 of his chosen men. That means he chose the best of the best of his men. And he's going to go and he's going to hunt David down. He's going to kill David. It is what it is. He's going to end it. So when he gets close to where David is, he comes up on this cave. And he has to, for lack of better words, he has to go to the bathroom. Saul does. So he goes in this cave to relieve himself. And that's where we pick up, if you're following me, in uh, chapter 24, 1 Samuel chapter 24. He is looking for David, goes in to this cave to relieve himself. And little did he know that is where David and his men are hiding. He couldn't see them because the scripture says that they were in the dark, in the depths, in the recesses of the cave. So they were unknown. Like they, it was not known that they were in there. So here we are, David and his men, they see Saul and David's men are like, dude, this is what the Lord has said was going to happen. We can go ahead and just end this right now. Let's just go ahead and get him. That's paraphrasing, but that's pretty much what he said. That's pretty much what their thoughts were. And David said, mm. David, in the quickness and in the dark, kind of takes his sword and whoosh, real quick, just Saul didn't even know anything, and cuts the bottom or the hem of what he was wearing. He could have killed him. He did not see David. How many of us can say in the presence of your enemy where you know you can get the upper hand on your enemy because they don't even know that you know something, they don't know that you're physically present for something, and you can get them and teach them a lesson, but you don't do it? How many of us, if I say, show me your fruit, it would be maybe rotten fruit because you got somebody. You had the opportunity and you took it. You know why? Because they're, they're, they're pressuring you. They're harassing you. It's something that's legit, but the opportunity opened up and you felt like this must be God, so I'm going to take it. Am I talking to somebody at home Facebook where you feel like you have had opportunities to get even with someone? What fruit are you showing when it comes to self-control and anger? You know what? The Holy Spirit, because I said you don't run anything, the Holy Spirit came to David. And in verse 6 of chapter 24, he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do, do this to my master. His master is Saul. He's the Lord's anointed. To put my hand out against him, since he is the anointed of the Lord. In verse 7. So David strongly rebuked his men with those words and told them not to rise up against Saul. Saul got up and left the cave and went on his way. What just happened? If that is not one of the best Holy Ghost filled examples of self-control when someone is persecuting you and coming after you and you have the wherewithal to allow the Holy Spirit to convict you, he didn't even kill him. Some of us will be like, hey, I tripped him, but I didn't punch him. I mean, I punched him, but I didn't kill him. I mean, I, I, I talk crap about him, but it's not like I physically touched him. Like, we'll just do a little bit of dirt, but we won't do like dirt, dirt. Hmm? 
He didn't kill Saul, he just cut a piece of his clothes off to let him know, I could have, but I didn't. And that conviction, that conviction is what he showed to his men. And he said, you know what, this is who, yes, the opportunity was there, but I shouldn't even have done what I did. I shouldn't even have done it. And so we're just gonna leave him alone. We're gonna let him walk out. We are not going to do this. Can you recognize when you have gone too far, Facebook? Can you recognize that, yes, something happened, and yes, it might have gone too far, but I'm sorry, Lord, I shouldn't have done that. When you're doing this audit, can you just say, Lord, I'm sorry, I went further, things went further than they should have, and I know better, and I'm going to walk it out differently, and I'm going to tell other people not to do what I did, and what I did wasn't right. Can you share your testimony? Can you allow God to come in and completely change everything? Katrina, I'm going to have you come up. And one of my, my final points is not just about anger, but it honestly is about not being a dummy. What? Pastor Virginia just called everybody dummies. No, I didn't. Well, I mean, I kind of did. But what I meant by don't be a dummy is in the terms of a doll. In the terms of a doll. And so I have Katrina, because she represents like a ventriloquist doll. And what you see is what it's like to have no self-control. Her head drops, her arms are completely entangled in bondage because she does not have self-control. And what, who has the upper hand, who's controlling all of this? Satan is. Because if you do not have, listen, you're going to partner with someone, Facebook, for self-control, whether you have self-control or you don't. You're going to either partner with Satan and he's going to enslave you to everything that you don't have self-control against, or you're going to partner with God and conquer self-control. Either way, Somebody's gunning for your self-control, and this is what it looks like when Satan has you. She has no control. She is in bondage, and everything is overwhelming her. In that case, I want everyone to know that we serve a God that can, that can set you free from everything. We said we don't run nothing by ourselves, right? We don't run nothing by ourselves, right? Come on, somebody. If we don't run anything by ourselves, I want to remind you in 2 Timothy 1, 7, that says, God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and self-control. So when you have the Holy Spirit, when you have the Holy Spirit give you self-control, when it says in Romans 8, 37, that we are more than conquerors through him, Come on, somebody. That it breaks those bonds and it sets us free. So she is no longer held bondage for the lack of self-control, but that the Holy Spirit can take over and allow change to take place. Come on, somebody. If y'all can stand to your feet. Lord God, we thank you for the spirit that allows us to come to you. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that constantly corrects us, that constantly changes us, that constantly molds us, that gives us the strength that we need, Lord God. For anyone that's doing this audit, that looks inside themselves to say, you know what, Lord, I struggle with technology. 
Lord, my family needs me. I am so lost in all these things that technology brings. I forget that you gave me two children, that you gave me a wife or you gave me a husband. You gave me a pet. You gave me someone to look after, God. I'm sorry I put technology before you, dear God. Lord, I'm sorry that I go to food for comfort more than I go to your Holy Spirit for comfort. I'm sorry, Lord, that I'm so caught up in looking a certain way that I no longer think that the temple you gave me is beautiful, that I starve myself or I I really restrict my calories, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, that anger does not rule me. Lord, I thank you that I can have peace in knowing that you fight my battles, that I don't have to be the one that has the upper hand to squash my enemy, Lord God, but that you come in like a flood and you handle my enemies for me, Lord. I thank you that in all things I have peace because you give me peace. You give me self-control. You give me self-control. He gives self-control. It doesn't mean that you won't have struggles, and it does not mean that there will not be hard times, but I thank you, God, for your provision. I thank you, God, that you make a way. I thank you, Lord God, that for every temptation, there's a way out. I thank you, Lord God, that you are always taking me, Lord, to the potter's will, that you're always breaking things off, Lord God, that you're always renewing my mind, dear God. For everyone at home that needs to know it, Lord, I pray that you just completely take over their atmosphere and remind them of who you are, Father God. Lord, let this word penetrate our hearts, Father God, so that we know that there is hope, that we may have rotten fruit right now, Lord God, but the second that we surrender to you and we obey your will and your way, Lord, that the turnover, that the harvest on the other end will be juicy fruit in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, and I just praise you and I thank you for this opportunity. Bless your name, Lord God. We believe and we receive. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. Right now, wherever you are, let's give it up for Pastor Virginia for bringing an awesome word in such a time as this. Today, one of the things that stood out to me when you think about self-control Um, I continue to be reminded of the Snickers bar where it says, uh, if you're hungry, why wait? When you're challenged with a word like self-control, you can expect over the next three days, over the next five days, matter of fact, over the next week, your hunger will be tested. So the question is I ask for everyone in here is, who are you hungry for? Are you hungry for the flesh? Are you hungry for God? Pastor Virginia gave a few examples about Daniel and Daniel being willing to push away the plate and God granted him favor. Another thing that I think about with self-control as well is that there is freedom. When I saw Miss Katrina up here doing the examples, having the hands free, I saw freedom. And so for many of us, we hear terms and technologies of fear of missing out and me running my own life and they're the only true freedom we can have is in Christ. When you exhibit self-control this week, there are three things I'm believing that you are experienced. You're going to be free from the opinion of others. Yeah. Number two, you are going to be free to live in purpose. That's how David said no. That's how Daniel said no. And that's how Jesus said no. When Jesus, before his time 
of doing healings, miracles, and signs of wonders. It was in the garden, it was in the wilderness where he was tested with self-control. And last but not least, this is your week to exhibit self-control, to be free to worship. Matter of fact, wherever you are right now, as we get ready to close this broadcast, I want you to take a moment to show right now that you're not under the control of the devil. You're not under the control of your flesh, but you are free to lift your hands. You are free to worship. You might be free to dance in this moment because Jesus is king. Can I have my people in here say amen? If you are free, say hallelujah. If you love the Lord, say thank you, Jesus. This is your moment. This is your season. This is your hour right now. Go forth with power. Exhibit these fruits. Be all that God has called you to be. This is our season. Walk in freedom. We will see you next week. Take care and give out some juicy fruit. Amen.